and thank you for listening to the 6570 Family Project Podcast. This is a passion project I have to bring you insight and tactical advice that you can take and run with today from myself and a very talented and genuine group of guests brought together to help you take your family experience from good to great and build that foundation of confidence and respect and wisdom that every parent wants to see their child master before they ever leave home. What I really love, though, is connecting with you and giving you a space to connect with each other, which is exactly why the Family Architects Club exists. This private parents club is designed for every parent going through the 6570, those 6,570 days of the parenthood childhood dynamic, which is where your most influential and most impactful window exists as a parent. And this community supports, it guides, it laughs, it builds together to help you in the greatest project that you will ever have as a parent. That being the 6570 Family Project. So I invite you to come on into this club, get to know people and see what is waiting for you, including a free members only gift that you will love and use over and over and over again as a parent. So I can't wait to see you there. And you can just go to NellieHarden.com slash community. Again, that's NellieHarden.com slash community to get connected and get your free members only gift. So I will see you there. Hello, and welcome to the 6570 Family Project Podcast. If you are a parent of a tween, teen, or somewhere on the way, this is exactly the place for you. This is the playground for parents who want to raise their kids with intention, strength, and joy come and hear all the discussions, get all the tactics and have lots of laughs along the way. We will dive into the real challenges in raising kids today, how to show up as parents and teach your kids how to show up as members of the family and individuals of the world. My name is Nellie Harden, big city girl turned small town, sip an iced tea on the front porch mama who loves igniting transformation in the hearts and minds of families by helping them build self-led discipline and leadership that elevates the family experience and sets the kids up with a rock-solid foundation they can launch their life on all before they ever leave home. This is the 6570 Family Project. Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the 6570 Family Project Podcast. You guys, in this community, we are building up our kids to be confident, wise, and respectful within the first 6,570 days of their life or the first 18 years. We are literally building the beginning of someone else's life as family architects. And one of the relationships that we have going into parenting that influences our parenting and so much more is our marriage, is the partner parent, the partnership of the parents. And in the podcast today, I have a wonderful guest on here. Miss Ann Visser, and she is a mindset and relationship coach. She's a speaker and trainer with For Better Forever, which she co-founded with her husband. They have over 20 years of experience and she helps fam or women and couples get back to feeling, get this, cherished 
loved and secure in their marriage. She has worked with addicts in recovery and also trained youth in healthy relationships, how to have those healthy relationships. They have been married for 41 years. Who better to learn from, right? And they're part of a family farm on beautiful, I was so jealous, Prince Edward Island in Canada. And she also loves photography and capturing nature and walks on the beach. And we get to talk with Anne today about the three secrets to a happy marriage, a happy and loving marriage. And these three secret secrets that we talk about are so profound and have so many caveats to them, but taking these just three things uh, into, into your mind when you're looking at your relationship not only with your spouse, but also with your kids. The family unit is a team unit and all of the relationships, parent to parent, kid to kid, kid to parent, parent to kid, all of them really do require all of these things, but they learn so much from the relationship that is modeled for them, which is your marriage. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. This is an important talk and I hope you have a pen and paper ready and let's get started. Hello, everyone. I am so excited. I have given you some great details of Anne here. And I, first of all, just want to welcome you to the 6570 Family Project podcast. <laughs> thank you, Nellie. Hello. And it's such a pleasure to be here with you today. And thank you for inviting me to the 6570 Family Project podcast. I love what you're doing. And I'm excited to share these three marriage secrets for a happy marriage because it's just so foundational to family life. It is. It is. It is so foundational. And we were talking for a little bit beforehand and um, just going through, you know, the family dynamic and how the marriage is so important um, and the how it trickles down into the family and how it's very important that parents get on the same page. And we're going to cover a lot today, including, like you said, those three marriage tips. I can't wait to hear them. And so when uh, my kids walk in and my husband and I are like hugging or maybe he kissed me or something like that. It's so funny because they're all, of course, they're like, Ew, you know, that's so gross. And, and we're like, this is what you want guys. You know, this is what you want. And they know that, but I feel they, they almost feel obligated to say, ew, gross. And they probably do think it's gross. I mean, we're their parents, but, um, it is so important to, for kids to see what a healthy marriage looks like. So they know how to build one themselves and what to look for. Right. Um, so, I just want to start off today's conversation before we even jump into the tips. I would love to know from your perspective and everything that you see, because I'm sure you obviously work with couples, but a lot of those couples have kids, what that looks like to you. How important is it that a child sees a healthy marriage from the parents? I believe it is essential for, mm. you know, I believe that our children stand on our shoulders of what they see and how we model what love looks like, what forgiveness looks like, what it looks like to work through difficult and hard times that we don't give up, that we're committed to work it through, that we're committed to talk about it in healthy ways, that we're committed to work through disagreements and that we're willing to love each other even in the tough times. And, but that are also play together, that we're affectionate with one another. All of that is modeled for our kids. And it's 
as we live it, they pick it up. It's like, um, it's like tacky, you know, that tacky <laughs> stuff that yeah. they just pick it up and, and it doesn't even have to be so much as taught as it is lived out experienced. Mm. There's nothing like experience, the lo- experiencing the love of mom and dad and having mom and dad delight, not only in each other, but in their kids too. Yeah. Yeah, I I totally agree. And we play a lot in this house. We, uh, my husband and I, we play and roll around and wrestle and we're crazy and we do dance parties and we're just, we're just kind of crazy. Our, uh, our nickname around town is the quote unquote happy hardens because we do, we love to laugh. We love to play. And that doesn't mean that we are always happy or that things are always, you know, joy, uh, filled. Um, but you can always find joy in the crevices of everything. And I think that's where that really comes in. But to your point with arguing, I think so we don't shy away from having an argument in front of our kids. And sometimes in the past, I know they've been like, oh, my goodness, we'll be in the car or something. They'll be like, stop arguing, stop arguing. And they're yelling like we're like tearing each other. You guys, and we're like, you guys, we're just having a disagreement. We're fine. But Again, we want them to be able to see, okay, mom and dad obviously don't agree about this thing, whatever it is that we're talking about, um, but they're going to get through it and it's going to be fine. And they're still solid as a rock. Right. And so that is something that uh, I know has been uncomfortable for some other parents to hear sometimes that, you know, it's okay to, to argue or have a disagreement in front of your kids. Um, but I, I think, mm-hmm. and, and we found it's really important for them to have, uh, steps for con, uh, conflict resolution and with siblings, right. And it's, it's an opportunity for us to be vulnerable when they're having an, op- uh, a tiff with a sibling to be like, you remember when I was really upset with your dad about this thing? And they're like, yes. You know, it's like, well, did you see what happened there? And we just go on. So it's a great vulnerability launch point for some good discussions with the kids too. Absolutely. And all those skills that we learn uh, that we use, they can learn too, just like you said, even, okay, we disagree and we're getting a little heated here. So we need to take a break Mm. and it's okay to take a break. And we're going to say, okay, we're going to come back to this conversation in an hour, we're going to come back to this conversation tomorrow. You know, that's a skill that I didn't know that I could actually do that, that I could express. I don't really know what's going on with me. I'm upset right now, but I'm not sure exactly sure I can express it. So I need a little time to process. And I am a processor too, Nellie. So I need that time. And so it was, but it was important for me to be able to say to my husband, I'm going to come back to this. So I didn't just walk away from a disagreement. That's a skill in itself to know how to disagree, how to take a break, how to come back again, just great skills for kids to learn and how to, and to be able to communicate that to your children. I think Mm -hmm. that is amazing, Nellie, that they hear you say, we're okay. They need to know that too. We're okay. We do disagree and it's okay to disagree. We've been together for over two decades now. And I was like, there's bound to be an argument in 20 plus years, you know, and it's okay um, in there. But you learn along the way. We definitely learned, I swear, in our first maybe five, six years of marriage. And um, I'd love your feedback on this, but we used to, and we don't anymore, but we used to, I would. I don't know why we probably saved it until the end of the day because none of neither one of us wanted to confront it. But then we were arguing at one and two in the morning when we were exhausted. We couldn't put sentences together. We 
like I could be saying flounder fish when I mean something totally different. And then we were just so exhausted, said things we didn't mean. And it just got so out of hand. And then in the morning we were like, what was that about? I don't know. Let's go get breakfast. You know, it was such a waste (laughs) of time. It was such a waste of time. (laughs) Oh, Nellie, I so, it so resonates with me. And, And I used to think, oh, I wasted a whole day being angry with you and being upset instead of communicating it really well about what I wanted to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it just feels like such a waste of time, doesn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> it does. And then you walk away from a conversation. And so actually um, on one of our earlier podcasts this year, we talked about the power of the written word with conflict. And I was talking about it with kids, but it can definitely happen with um, the adults in the, in the family as well because I am a visual person, I need that processing time, like you were saying. And so many times when I'm in inside of the conflict and my emotions are high, my words are at a low. And so I cannot, my thoughts, there's like a traffic jam between my thoughts and coming out of my mouth. And then there's just bad things that happen. And then I walk away and I'm like, Oh, I should have said this. Oh, I should have said this. Oh, I wish I would have said this. And so we practice, um, writing, uh, letters to each other in the, in the home. And so when there is a conflict between siblings or parents or parents and kids, we'll just like, you know what, why don't you go think about it? And write a few paragraphs about it, about, you know, why you're feeling this way, maybe what could have changed in the situation, what you'll do different in the, in the future, whatever, depending on the situation. And so we do a lot of letter writing, um, in our home and I collect them all. And they're going to be like the best family collectors items come like 20, 30 years from now. Um, they're great. Uh, but anyway, that's something that we do in order to help process in our family. I love that. It gives you time to think and to be able to process your own thoughts. And it's so paramount to be able to know what's going on in here, to be able to express it and communicate it to someone else. So that's brilliant. And then you can do it when you you can help yourself calm down while you're writing and clarifying what's really going on, what you're really feeling, what you're really thinking and what it is you really, really want. Yes. Yes. Uh, I love the um, form that thoughts can take when they're put onto paper with my hand. And so it makes them much more tangible, but I want to transfer over into your expertise and talking really about marriages and you're helping women and couples just get back to feeling cherished, loved, and secure in their marriage. And I think that is so key because security is something that is farce, you know, in today's world, we don't feel secure in a lot of places outside of our homes. And so our homes, it's so much more important that we feel secure in our homes, in our relationships that we have in that home right now. And so you have these wonderful um, three secrets to a happy marriage. um, And I would love you to just let's go through them one by one and just kind of talk about them. So what is that first secret? Well, that first secret is if what you're doing isn't working, try something different. 
<laughs> if what you're doing isn't working, try something different. Um, you know, I really believe that when we're married long enough, we get used to being together and circumstances happen, life happens, and it creates this kind of creeping separateness in our marriage. It can, and we need to find our way back to each other. I married my high school sweetheart, Nellie. I met him one summer when I literally could not outrun him. <laughs> And that year in school, I wrote him notes. I secretly wanted a date. Uh, I was just head over heels for this guy. And then two years later, I remember the photographer said, I have never seen a couple look at each other the way the two of you look at each other. Mm. We were just so crazy in love. Yeah. And then life circumstances caught up to us because my husband, Malis, he was new to farming. And he was learning farming from his dad and there were challenges there on the farm. And then there were challenges in that relationship as well. And he often came home frustrated. Mm. And meanwhile, I got pregnant the month after we were married and I was so very sick. Nellie and I was Aww. on the couch for those nine months. I was so sick. And neither of us really knew how to communicate what we were experiencing. We didn't really understand what was happening in our hearts and our minds and, and between each other. And it was a really tough way to start marriage. And then fast forward five kiddos later, and we had five children in six years. It was busy. It was crazy. I love being a mom and I love being at home. Uh, but farm life was crazy. And we just kind of slowly drifted apart. And I was becoming more and more critical and I really resented his work. And then on one particular night, we sat outside. It was our favorite restaurant. We were sitting in our farm truck and I looked at him and I said, I can't do this anymore. Mm. And he said, what do you mean you can't do this anymore? And I said, I can't do marriage like this anymore. Like we just keep going around and around the same old thing and we never resolve anything. And I'm so hurt and I am so tired. You know, he heard my heart that night. And for the first time in a long time, he shared his heart with me. And I hadn't even seen his pain. I was so wrapped up in my own. But that night we recommitted to each other that we would get the help that we needed in order to get better. And when I'm working with pre-married couples, I say to them, it's not if you run into trouble, it's when you run into challenges, you come see me before it gets too big to close that emotional distance in your relationship. And so I'm here today because of that really pivotal conversation. It changed my life. It changed our marriage. And so that first marriage secret is if what you're doing isn't working, try something different. What I was doing and how I was trying to communicate what I was feeling, it wasn't working. And I needed to communicate in a different way in order for him to hear my heart. I, it's so simple, right? But we keep on doing the same old, same old, even if it's not working. I know I have. And I know a lot of women, they come to me and they say, I've tried everything. Nothing's working. He's just not listening. <laughs> what I learned. Yeah. But when we talk a little bit more, what I hear is she's talking and talking and talking. And she thinks that she's communicating. And that's what communicating is all about. And so maybe she needs to try something differently, like to disrupt what is not working, to try something different, um, you know, to, to maybe talk a little bit less or maybe say something more concisely or maybe share her feelings or maybe share what she really, really wants 
Because when I thought about what I really, really want is I really want to feel connected to my husband. And so some of those other little things, those little irritants that were bothering me, they're not even worth talking about, honestly. So if what I really, really want is connection, then, and that's my goal, then I want to form those relational habits around that goal to stay connected and to be able to communicate in a way that helps us to have those disagreements for sure, that's important, but to do it in a way that helps us stay connected to one another. So that's the first marriage secret that I have. Absolutely. You know, um, if what you're doing is, yeah, not working, try something different. So a couple of um, things that come to mind with that is we are going through, we are, we are always going through different seasons and the longer the marriage is, the more seasons you're going to pass through. So my husband and I have been together since 18, uh, 18 years old. So long time too. And we got married at 22 and we knew we were getting married super early, but, um, although ironically we got married after both of our parents had gotten married. Um, but you know, my dad passed away when I was only one, uh, his parents were divorced. And so we were like, like barring, you know, anything that we can do about it, we're going to make, you know, this last, and we wanted to make sure that we had, a plan in place. And so for us, every 10 years, we have a recommitment ceremony and it's not, you know, uh, we just had one last year. It was our 20th, uh, 20th year, um, in, uh, 2021. And people are like, Oh, are you going to say the same vows that you did at your wedding? And we're like, Nope, you know, we're, we're different people. And so, every 10 years, because I do see that, you know, we become different people and then we need to, we need a cincher, right? We need to come back together and recommit to the people that who we have become. And it's really amazing because now, um, our kids are 16, 14, 14, and 12. And they, I mean, they were a part of the ceremony 10 years ago, um, but they were little, right. Um, they were just starting to walk some of them. And so now they were a part of the ceremony and we didn't just give vows. They did too. So it was a family affair of our whole family doing their vows to the family. And so we all wrote them. We all, you know, presented them. We had a, a small crowd there and it was fun. Um, but that is maybe one of my, it might be my completely most favorite thing that we do in our marriage is every 10 years, we make sure that we're recommitting to the people who we have become along the way. Because I, I can say I'm definitely different than I was 20 years ago. And so is my husband. And so, yeah, it just, that came to mind when you were talking about, you know, just try something different. And we've tried so many different things over the years and we have fought, we have had many troubles. We went through infertility for a couple of years, which can destroy a lot of relationships. Um, and it was really, really hard parenting four kids. We had four and four, four kids in four years. And so, uh, you know, like you're saying too. So, I mean, it's a lot. Um, but yeah, just being sure that you're always willing to try the next thing because the relationship comes first. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that we've done too, Nellie, is to um, keep short accounts. <laughs> Recently, my, my daughter asked um, what, what has really helped in your marriage. And, and he said this, he said, we keep short accounts. And, and I love that he said that because we're intentional about not letting tension build. 
mm. and addressing it sooner than later. And then by working through those prob- those concerns uh, sooner than later. And it helps to keep, I call it stacking, you know, when you got a problem and you don't solve it. And that's what we were doing in the beginning too. You, you start to stack all these issues. And, but if you're working on them as you go and you keep that short account, then you don't end up with that big stack of, of work to go through, of pain to go through, of hurt to go through. And it's so much easier to deal with a problem when it's little, when it's small and before it gets too big. Like, a, you know, I remember a time when I was nursing a really bad attitude. Um, he brought me home flowers one day. It was for no particular reason. And my first thought was, what do you want from me now? <laughs> and I was like, I know, right? <laughs> And it was one of those things that, you know, you kind of look behind you to say, like, who said that? I yeah. can't believe I thought that. <laughs> and I recognized in that moment, I have a problem. This is not his problem. This <laughs> is me. <laughs> and I, I thought, I, you know, I'm, I'm a moment of prayer. So I prayed about it. What can I do? And I felt I, I need to write everything good about this man. And so I took the smallest piece of post-it note I could find. <laughs> It was a little post-it note and I wrote it, everything good. I was still in a bad place, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I wrote out everything I could think of. You know, he is a good dad. He he cares for our kids. He takes time for the kids. He he um, he works hard. And I wrote it out and I put it in a place where I could read it every day. And, you know, I believe that what you focus on, it determines your attitude. And I was focusing on what was wrong about him. And nothing changed in the beginning. But as I was reading through that list every day, I noticed a change on the day that he called me home. I still remember this. I was standing in the kitchen and he was cranky and he said, I'm going to be home late for work. And he's not cranky very often. And he hung up the phone and I hung up the phone and I thought, boy, you're having a really bad day. My focus had changed my attitude toward him. I just did a happy dance right there because my (laughs) attitude toward him had changed because what we focus on changes our attitude. And so I'm aware that's one of the habits that I have is what am I focusing on today? And to focus on the things that are good about your partner is so much more helpful than to focus on the things that are, you know, that we don't like or that are challenging about our partner. And we have more choice then we realize I like my women to know, like you are, have more power than, you know, Mm. you have more power than, you know, and you have the power to focus on what you choose to focus on. And that determines how you feel and how you think about your partner and your attitude and your mindset towards your partner. So that, um, what you focus on grows and, um, to keep those short accounts has really helped us in our marriage. But I love that, that you're doing, you're recommitting yourself to your partner. That is what a powerful thing to do, Nellie. That's wonderful. Yeah. It, it definitely made an impression on the girls this time around. They had seen their pictures around the house from the first time they were in it, but they were four, two, two, and one. And um, so to really be in it this time um, it was, it was a really powerful day. Let's move on to secret number two. So tell us about that one and uh, some examples that we can glean from that. Sure. And secret number two is if you're feeling really lonely and afraid, your husband is feeling equal amounts of Mm. shame. This was a game changer for us to recognize this. And, you know, even superheroes, they have weaknesses 
my kids are into Superman and Superman has kryptonite, right? It's his weakness. Well, men and women have weaknesses too. And the, for the man, it's shame. And for the woman, it's fear. Fear in particular of isolation. And that pivotal conversation that I shared with you at the beginning of our marriage, I was feeling really alone in my marriage, but I couldn't express it. I didn't understand what was happening inside of me and I couldn't put language to it, which is why communication is so important, vital, and essential in our marriages, you know, but I was telling him, you work too much. (laughs) You're never home. You're never home with me and the kids. Instead of being able to say to him, I'm just, I'm really lonely. I miss you. Yeah. And when I started to be able to communicate with him, I just, I just miss you. It was a game changer for us because he feels wanted instead of me complaining about what I don't have. I was asking him for what I do want. And so this was a game changer because um, when he, when I could recognize that shame in him, uh, I remember the day we were driving down the road and I said to him, you're driving too fast. We had that conversation many times. (laughs) (laughs) You're driving too fast. (laughs) One day I said to him, I don't feel safe with you when we drive on icy roads like this. Mm. And he immediately slowed down, Nellie. And I was like, what just happened? Because this is not the script that we usually follow. (laughs) (laughs) I was triggering his shame. When I could communicate that differently, that brought that, that his shame wasn't even activated. And he heard what I was feeling. And then I, he responded in a way that he slowed down immediately. And I wasn't afraid anymore. This is the work of Dr. Steven Stasny. I can't take credit for this and Pat Love. And it's from their book, How to Improve Your Marriage Without Talking About It. And he talks about how men are on the edge of shame and women are on the edge of fear. Mm. And so we trigger that in each other. And when we trigger that in each other, Uh, In order to ease the fear for women and the shame for men, then we fight. That doesn't work very well. (laughs) It doesn't work very well. So, you know, Brene Brown also, she said, um, she discovered in the course of her research that contrary to earlier assumptions that she thought that men's shame was primarily being inflicted by other men, but she discovered that the women in their lives are the ones who tend to feel repelled by men who show chinks in their armor. Talk mm-hmm. about vulnerability, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah. So um, women are, we tend to, according to Dr. John Gottman, we tend to have more criticism and we respond with more criticism and contempt, whereas men tend to withdraw and, sto- and stonewall. And that's what can create fear for a woman when a man withdraws like what do you mean you're leaving this conversation that i want to finish that can create fear of isolation for a woman whereas when we are critical with a man or when we act contemptuous toward them when i was critical about his driving then that triggers shame for a man Hmm. now yeah isn't that fascinating now yeah It really is. I'm just thinking back on all the arguments that we've had over 20 years and wondering what the triggers were. (laughs) And it's interesting for a woman, if her man doesn't hear that fear and instead he interprets it as criticism or contempt, then he is going to respond by withdrawing or stonewalling typically, or by becoming angry. I've had some men that have become really angry 
And that anger helps to bring the shame down for just a few minutes. But then he doesn't like himself because he doesn't want, he loves his wife, right? If he's a good man, he loves his wife and he doesn't want to respond to her with anger. So then he's, then he's filled with the shame again. The, the solution out of that fear and shame dynamic is to get to a place of compassion. Mm. And it's actually to then, first of all, to be able to recognize fear. So, you know, when, when your husband isn't spending a lot of time at home to recognize that fear is rising up in us, but it's also to recognize his shame. And it's so incredibly helpful to be able to recognize that because then you can step into that with compassion when you see it happening. So I encourage my couples, if they're watching TV, pay attention to that dynamic. And, you know, even though I've studied this, Nellie, I still have to ask my husband, is that shame that he's feeling right there? Is that what just happened here? And he says, oh, definitely right. (laughs) But it's incredibly helpful to recognize when fear is being triggered in yourself and when that shame is being triggered in a man. So a woman can feel perhaps alone in bed when she feels like her husband doesn't understand what she's needing in bed, Uh, alone in the housework when she feels like they're not a team in the housework and she's feeling alone, or perhaps alone in raising kids. You know, uh, my farmer husband, he has very busy seasons. And I uh, I often felt like a single mom in in those seasons. And that can create that fear inside. It did for me, and it can create a fear inside of a woman. And for shame, a man is on the edge of shame. Now, we don't really, we don't understand that because we don't really know what that feels like, what it means to be on the edge of that shame. It's very easy to push them over when we're critical, uh, when we leave them out of decisions that uh, we make without kind of checking in, you know, it's not that we need permission, but we need to work together as a team, right? Yeah. And so that can trigger shame in them when we leave them out of important or critical decisions that are being made in our relationship. Hmm. That is fascinating. Just thinking. Yeah. So when I watch uh, a show tonight, I am going to be looking at that a little bit more closely and trying to define when, when uh, the triggers are being had for the men and the women in the show. That's really fascinating. And you don't want that for your spouse, right? You don't want them to be fearful or you don't want them to feel shame at the same time. And so knowing that, I feel like we can uh, respect the boundaries a little bit more. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's so important to be able to recognize what is his and what is mine, you know, and then to be able to when I can recognize what is his, I'm better able to step into that with him uh, instead of kind of getting it all mixed up together. I wholeheartedly agree with you, Nellie. It's so valuable to see, yeah, this is his and this is my, my fear, his shame, and then be able to step into it. And by the way, uh, Dr. Stasi says we need to be at our best when we're at our worst. And it's so true. And so hard. <laughs> and so hard. So sometimes hard. I look at sometimes I look at hubby and say, you know, we're supposed to be communication experts and uh we're not doing so well here right now. <laughs> Good job admitting. <laughs> Casting that vision, right? Uh yeah, I run have a good laugh about it. <laughs> yeah, I run into that with parenting all the time and 
you know, I, I am a parenting coach and life and leadership coach. And there are just some days that I'm like, wow, this has been a really hard day. And you know, we're, I'm, I'm supposed to have all the answers, which of course they don't have all the answers. Um, and I just help guide through, but the fact that, you know, we can still have these hiccups as only human, but it's also a learning experience every single time. And, uh, we sit around as a family and we have a lot of really good talks about, okay, so that obviously, you know, didn't go well, what can we do better next time? So your secret number three, Really, um, I, I find it so interesting because I, and I'll let you talk about it in a second, but I want to preempt it with, uh, one of the things that I work with families on is the unknowing baggage that parents bring into family life. Um, and then are all of a sudden doing things that they don't necessarily want to do, but they don't recognize they're doing them. And so I explain number three, secret number three, and then we'll kind of launch from there because I find it so fascinating. Absolutely. Our daughter asked us this question. She said she was uh, not married at the time. And she said, mom and dad, what's the most important factor in a healthy marriage? And my husband piped up first and he said, emotional health. Mm -hmm. And that surprised our daughter. And that is secret number three is we need to deal with pain from our past because that can lead to emotional unhealth. And I still remember the day that I was standing in our bedroom and I, and I said to myself, I'm not going to fight about this anymore. I don't know what's happening to you, but I'm going to care about what's happening to you. And by the way, I had permission to tell us, tell you these stories. I think it's really important to have permission to tell the stories yes. about our partner. Uh, but Malus was angry. He, he would withdraw from me emotionally. And I was puzzled. I didn't know what was going on and I couldn't figure it out. And he would accuse me of doing things that were not, I was not doing and were not in my heart to do. And I was devastated every time it would happen. And it got to the point where I just didn't know what to do anymore. So I checked out emotionally. Mm. I became so frustrated. It was like I turned away from him before I was turned toward him. And then I turned away from him. And I didn't say it out loud. But when he was triggered, I would say it in my heart. Talk to the hand because this is not my problem. I don't know what's <laughs> going on with you, but it's not about me. It's about you. And um, so I checked out. And, but on this day, standing in our bedroom, I made a decision. I'm not going to fight about this anymore. I'm going to care about what is happening to you. And it was like then I turned toward him. And having that compassion for him created safety. And safety is paramount to healthy relationships and to good communication. And that safety enabled him to begin to open up. And at first they were really difficult conversations, Nellie. They didn't come easy because he hadn't processed any of this and he didn't really know what was going on in him is what I discovered. And so I was asking him three questions. What are you feeling? What are you thinking? And what do you really want? Hmm. As it would come up again and, and every time he would be triggered, I would ask him these three questions. What are you feeling? What are you thinking? And what do you really want? And at first he couldn't answer the questions, but he started to understand and get it because I had not been behaving well. Talk to the hand is not, you know, a good way to be <laughs> not a good way to have good, a healthy relationship. And, but he started to get it that I did care and that I was stepping into this with him 
and he started to open up about what was really going on inside of him. And it was pain from his past. Mm. And we all need to deal with that pain from our past. And the way that we can recognize pain from the past is when we're being triggered. And when we're being triggered, you know, we're, we're having this big explosion. It's like shaking a pop bottle and it explodes. Uh, you go from zero to 60. And it's this big emotional reaction to something that somebody said or to a certain particular person. And that triggers a sign that there's a hurt in us. There's pain. And it's time to look at that pain and to heal from that pain. You know, it can be set off by, you know, it can be set off by um, our five senses. Uh, it can be set off by certain types of people. Like maybe we're not used to being in with strong people. And then we get into a conversation with a strong piece with a really strong opinion and we get triggered. Um, and so when that happens, we are transported back in time to a painful event. We may not remember it consciously, but subconsciously it happens. And those that trigger takes us back in time and we experience the same emotions. We get back into our amygdala, we, I call it the emotional brain and out of our thinking brain, the logical brain where we make decisions, good decisions about how to speak and how to relate and how to communicate and how to listen. And we, we hop back into that amygdala and those emotions, they drive us to do and say things that we otherwise wouldn't do and say, because we know they're not helpful in relationship. Yeah. Uh, so I just hope our listeners can really catch on to the fact that so much of the relationship that happens between the parents is also happening with the kids, right? We, how to communicate, how to recognize uh, boundaries, right? How to recognize emotions that are happening, how to be able to connect by having that be a safe place, right? And there's so many echoes because it's a family. There's a family as a team, a family as a unit in and of the, of themselves. And we have the parents and we have the parents and the kids, we have the kids and the kids. And so all of the relationships in there matter, but the one that is established first is the parents relationship, which means it is the, the one on stage in order to teach everybody else how to have a relationship. And it's so, so important. And before you brought up number three, I can't tell you how many parents that I work with that bring in baggage from their own childhood, maybe some core beliefs that aren't such great core beliefs, a lot of worthy, uh, worthiness, right. Issues and things, the, I am not worthy, all those, I am statements that you don't want to pass on to your children, but you're inadvertently doing that because those voices, those reflexes in your head that are set within that first six, 6,570 days, those first 18 years of life, those are our reflexes. And in, unless we bring awareness to those in our relationship with our partner and our relationship with our kids, then they're going to keep being the reflexes over and over and over again until you turn around and you're like, man, I didn't want to do that to them because I know that happened to me and it it's not great, right? Uh, that's not something I wanted to pass on. I didn't mean to, but I did. Um, so anyway, yeah, having that, taking care of things from your past is imperative for the family unit and definitely for a marriage. So 
Um, those, I didn't know if you want to had anything to say, um, but those three secrets, I, I, they're gold, you know, uh, if what you're doing isn't working, try something different, right. That's vulnerability. That's discipline to try something different. Um, if you're really, uh, feeling lonely and afraid, your husband is feeling a lot of shame, right. Um, and mm-hmm. that's vision to see from their perspectives, right. That's a lot of perspective work right there. And then we must deal with pain from our past. That's a lot of resilience work right there. And so, and vulnerability and resilience are two sides of the same exact coin that we need to help and build within ourselves, within our marriage and within our families, with our kids. So before we go um, today, I know um, that everyone listening has like a pad of notes like I do right now, Um, but is there any like quick tips that you would be able to say something that they would be able to act on today, even with their partner in order to bring more clarity, connection, maybe communication within their marriage? I want to give you an exercise. How about oh, that? Okay. I, I love a, exercises. Yeah. I love this exercise. It's one of the first exercises I give a couple if I'm working with a couple and it is write a paragraph. What am I like to live with? Notice throughout the week. Notice throughout the week, what are my emotional responses? Uh, how am I acting? You could do this for your kids too. How am I responding to my kids? What am I like to live with? And then I get our couples to ask three people who know them really well to write out the same paragraph. What are you like to live with? And then compare notes and see uh, how accurate we see ourselves. You know, um, I am a, a John Maxwell Uh, coach. And he says that we're the last ones to know what we're really like. And if you want to know what you're really like, just ask your spouse or your children, they'll tell you. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I love that exercise. That is so great. I can't tell you, but I have one of my kids and this is just what comes to mind. One of my kids is so in denial sometimes of uh, her actions, right? So even this morning, I homeschool my three youngest and she was giving this look that was just like, disgust mixed like with dashed with anger and she it was after a test and what have you and I was like just so you know you are making a face that isn't um very kind and can be taken a wrong way I don't think you mean it to be that way but I just want to bring awareness to that and she's like no I wasn't no I wasn't no I wasn't and I was like well you were and I just want to give you the courtesy of that I had an experience gosh maybe 15 years ago where I was I had so many kids, so many littles running all around my feet. I had the cart and I was going through a store and a woman complete stranger just came up to me and she put her hand on mine and said, Oh honey, your face doesn't look very happy. You should try smiling more. And I, at first I was taken aback and I was just like, do you know how many kids I have? And I'm trying to, do you know how many times I counted to four in the last five minutes, you know, but I have never forgotten that because I want to be able to express on the outside, what I'm feeling on the inside. Um, joyful, right? Um, I don't always need to, if I'm frustrated on the inside, I don't need to, you know, always express that on the outside, but I do want to express joy. And I I was perfectly fine, but my face wasn't showing it. And so, and my kids know that story. I've told it so many times. And so I was like, I want to give you the courtesy, just like I gave this, this other woman gave me, and she was very kind about it, but I, I never will forget that woman. She's just like, Oh, honey. (laughs) 
So yeah, I was <laughs> like, well, thank you <laughs> random person in the store for making me feel terrible. But also I'm remembering this 15 years later. So there's that. But, um, okay. So thank you so much. I just want to wrap up here. I love that exercise. I think it is amazing to be able to see yourself from an outside perspective. I do a lot of perspective work. Um, so this is a great exercise and I hope everyone listening goes home and does this today. Uh, just, uh, collect them over the next few days and keep those letters. They're so, so great, um, later on, but, um, thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom with us today. I am honored to be here, Nellie, to equip your audience to communicate confidently for closer connection in marriage. Marriage is all about connection. So their children will know what it's like to love uh, and to be loved and to be delighted in. So thank you. And it's a pleasure to be here on the 6570 Family Project Podcast. Thank you. And where can we find more of you? I am. Uh, I have a website for Better Forever. Uh, as well as I'm on Facebook and all the things, Instagram and whatnot. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Well, we will have all of your connection details in the show notes for this as well. Thank you so much. And for all of our listeners, you guys, we are out there and we are building our families. So let's just have fun and build some amazing futures for our kids and some amazing marriages for us. Thank you so much. And I'll see you on the next episode of the 6570 Family Project Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. And I hope you were able to take something from our discussion that you can use to build the foundation of self-led leadership in your own family. If you are a parent with children 17 or younger, and especially those around nine and up, I would love to extend an invitation to you to the best club in town. The Family Architects Club is a private club where intentional parents go that want to love, support, connect, or reconnect, and really truly help guide their kids and teach them how to self-lead in discipline and leadership. This is an online community and you are welcome to it. Parenting is a project and you are the architect of this one. You plan, you design, and oversee the construction of the beginning of someone else's life. And that's what goes into these first 6,570 days, and it will be the foundation for the rest of their lives. So come join the club. You can find your invitation on the front page of my website, NellieHarden.com. That is N-E-L-L-I-E-H-A-R-D-E-N.com. Thank you again for being a part of this conversation today. And if something really resonated with you, or if you have a question, please don't hesitate to connect with me. You can find me on Instagram at Nellie Harden. And lastly, if you loved the information, please, please leave a five-star review and a comment so more and more families can be impacted by harnessing the strength of these ideas and tools in their own families. So thank you so much. Happy building, you guys, and I'll see you next week.